Um, this was a statement she made on the House floor about House Bill 470. And that was a House bill to ban um, transitioning of children, giving them medications. She said, I think this goes too far. I think it's discriminatory. I think it eliminates parents' rights or concerns about parents' rights and many other pieces of legislation that we're debating here during the session. Yet, this takes parents' rights away. So she is saying in this to give puberty puberty blockers and hormone therapy to kids. It's a parent's right. I just want to be sure that we're being thoughtful and uh, about this particular legislation. Again, I appreciate your work. I'd like to say to the rest of the world who's watching Kentucky, we are not complete Neanderthals. So she said that she believed it was a parent's right to give this medication and that if uh, you don't, you are a complete Neanderthal. That is what she said. And bringing in somebody like that onto your four-year lieutenant governor pick could certainly push away uh, quite a lot of your right side. And and welcome, everybody, to another amazing episode of the Andrew Cooperwriter Show. Of course, I'm your host, Andrew Cooper. And today we're going to focus on just one topic. Time is a ticket. In fact, by the time this gets posted, I record it one day in advance. Cameron could have already chosen his lieutenant governor pick. But time is ticking. It's got until August, just a few weeks, to make a choice of who he wants as his running mate. This is the first time that we've really seen this play out. There was uh, priorly, you had to choose your running mate before you ran for office. When you're a governor, you had to pick your lieutenant governor. You ran as a ticket in the primary. This is the first time we've really seen this play out where a governor gets to pick after the primary. And as I said, time is ticking. And he's got some options in front of him. We're going to talk about some of those options here today. Just names I've heard kicked around or said or even mentioned to me in a whisper. Just a few names and, and talk about the pros and cons of each. Before we dig deep down into it, um, it's important for you guys to like, comment, share, subscribe, uh, spread the word about this. If you're listening on a podcast version, please go to Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening and leave a review. It helps spread word of the show and it lets people know that individuals do watch and listen to it. And I know thousands of you do, but I do appreciate the support nevertheless. Well, let's dig into it. First, before we talk about who to look at for Lieutenant Governor, let's first talk about what um, first, we'll, let's talk about what a governor should look for in a lieutenant governor, because as we discuss these picks, we're going to discuss them from two angles, whether or not Cameron would want them or, and, or whether or not that person would want the job. So, um, from the governor's standpoint running, what is he looking for? Well, during the campaign, what you're looking for is somebody that can help shore up support. You can look for somebody who can help bring in money and you can help look for people who can uh, be a good surrogate when you can't make it somewhere. Somebody who's non-offensive uh, that can be a really good surrogate. Those are the three things you look for during the campaign. Money, uh, shoring up support somewhere, or being a good surrogate. Preferably all three if you can get it in a total package. Um what do you look for in a lieutenant governor when it comes to actually uh, uh, governing? Well, you're looking for a lieutenant governor that is going to stand by you, 
not stab you in the back. Um, and you're looking for somebody who isn't going to create too much controversy on their own. What is somebody who's looking at whether or not to take the lieutenant governor spot is considering? Well, understand how lieutenant governor is viewed by currently elected officials. Um, lieutenant governor does next to nothing. Therefore, it is viewed by many people who value uh, being able to feel like they're making a difference as a step down or a position they're not interested in. Um, you'll see a lot of legislators feel this way. You'll see a lot of other elected individuals that feel that a uh, lieutenant governor is not a good move for them because they like to make a difference where they're at or they like the power of where they're at. However, the step up the lieutenant governor provides is it does provide a statewide platform. It provides increased uh, name recognition. It does mean an impressive resume booster for if you're looking towards the future. Additionally, as well, it provides uh, an office with staff, a full-time type position. Uh, right now, legislators are part-time. Uh, they don't necessarily make part-time pay all the time. They, they normally make around 35 to 40K, but some make a lot more, like the speaker, like the Senate president, make uh, significantly more. But still, normally not as much as lieutenant governor makes. Lieutenant governor will clear around 144K a year. Um, additionally, as well, you don't get staff when you're a legislator in Kentucky. You are just by yourself. You share a secretary with several other legislators. You have the LRC, which may help you write bills, but you don't get a staff. And a lieutenant governor does get a staff, which, if you're trying to forward yourself, could be very helpful. Somebody to help you with PR, people to help you with booking engagements, people to seek out opportunities for you to speak, uh, people generally to continue to rise and raise, sorry, your public profile. That would be a reason why you would take it or you have nothing else you're going to be doing. Um, that could be a reason why too. You don't necessarily have a better offer where you feel like you would make a greater impact because you still have, as Lieutenant Governor, you still have a podium. You still have a soapbox that you can make messages from. However, you better be parroting exactly what the governor is saying. The other downside to being lieutenant governor is any of your boss's problems or issues can quickly become your issues if you're worried about a political future. I want to bring that up because I'm going to talk about a couple different people. We're going to look at possibilities for lieutenant governor picks, and we're going to talk about a fairly big list today. We're going to talk about Quarles, Ryan Quarles, current ag commissioner, former governor candidate, Mike Harmon current auditor, former governor candidate, Alan Keck, mayor of Somerset, former governor candidate, Kelly Kraft, uh, former governor candidate. Obviously, um, we can follow that. Uh, most of you will probably know who Kelly Kraft is, of course, as long as, as well as Ryan Quarles, possibly Mike Harmon and Alan Keck. Bill Duriff, um, former, I think right now, mayor of of Jeffersontown, Louisville, but ran for mayor of Louisville, uh, did pretty well for a Republican in a highly liberal area. John Schneider, uh, own, a former founder of Papa John, no longer, of course, involved in the company. He's becoming more politically involved. David Mead, uh, Speaker Pro Tem in the House. Uh, Allison Ball, um, current state treasurer running for auditor. Kim Mosier, State House Rep in Northern Kentucky, Julie Rocky Adams, uh, a state senator in Louisville area, and Savannah Maddox, 
uh, Northern Kentucky legislator, House Rep as well. I'm just going to talk about those ones. Um, there's maybe some others you heard of, and I'm not even saying the pick is any one of those. Those are just names that I've heard people kick around and talk about. And therefore, I feel it's worthwhile for us to discuss them. So let's talk about the former governor candidates first. Quarles. Ryan Quarles, current ag commissioner. Obviously, he ran for governor. He lost in the primary, coming in second place. He doesn't necessarily have a, um, he, he obviously doesn't have an office that he's running for right away. Um, he could obviously run for something uh, here coming up next year. Uh, he will be out as ag commissioner at the end of this year. Um, he recently even made a statement in some speeches that he plans to stay in public service and will have an announcement soon for what he will be doing. Important to understand, why would Daniel Cameron pick Ryan Quarles? Well, first off, it would bring together party unity. Remember, Bashir only beat Bevin by about 5,000 votes. And if you think this race will be close or a squeaker, you might be looking for somebody that can help you unite the Republican Party. Because after all, there is more registered Republicans than there are registered Democrats. So you can put together a ticket that is attractive to the rural areas that could especially kind of cover it. That blue dog Democrat area, that area that Bashir did pretty good in that helped him win the governor four years ago. And Quarles has that rural base. He's got that rural connection. Um, he did pretty well in quite some areas that, uh, uh, during the primary. And as I said, he has that connection to the rural areas where he can bring in and help shore up that support of Cameron. Does he bring in money? I don't necessarily think so. Um, he could, he's obviously was a very good fundraiser, competitive fundraiser, um, during the primary. However, is the Quarles donors not donors that would already donate to Cameron now that he's in the general? I don't know. I don't I don't think there uh, there is too much ground to cover there. I think they already were planning on donating to Cameron. Maybe not all of them. He could bring in several hundred thousands. Is is he going to bring in millions upon millions of dollars? No, I don't I don't think so. Um but he does help that as far as a surrogate goes, Corals would make not a bad surrogate. He's a pretty solid, sturdy speaker. He's pretty non-controversial. He shies away from uh, any kind of possible perceived controversy. We saw that during the primary with um, the the officer. Um, oh, that officer that wrote that book about the Brianna Taylor thing, 12 Seconds in the Dark or something like that. Um, he was set to speak alongside Quarles at an event uh, down in Western Kentucky. Quarles canceled from that, um, showing he has an aversion, of course, to a whole lot of controversy. The other thing to know is Quarles kept it awfully positive during the campaign. While he ran a competitive campaign, he really didn't go after his competitors, which means there's uh, Daniel Cameron doesn't have too much bad blood to hold against Quarles. The other thing is Quarles, of course, has a history as a legislator. He was a legislator for several years before he's ag commissioner. So he's got some good experience that he can help bring to Cameron, having ran the, the ag department, which is a pretty sizable department. Uh, I could be mistaken, but I believe it is the second largest department in our state government. And that experience can definitely help Cameron out. Additionally, as well, uh, he understands the legislators. See, Cameron lacks a connection with the legislative body. He was himself never a legislator. In fact, he's only been ag, uh, ag. <laughs> he's only been attorney general for four years. 
Um, so corals could bring that perceived experience that the administration needs to have, help shore up a rule base that Bashir does pretty well in, and additionally as well, create that connection with legislators. Um, downsides is Quarles obviously will always have his eye on that governor's seat. Would Quarles take the job? Well, once again, Lieutenant Governor doesn't do much. Also as well, um, that you run the risk of any of Cameron's negatives become your negatives. If Cameron does something like, I don't know, pardons people he shouldn't have, such as we saw with Bevin, that can be used to attack you should you decide to run for governor in the future. You better hope if you're running for lieutenant governor and you plan to be governor in, governor in and of itself one day, you better hope that the person you're LTing to is pretty popular. However, Quarles doesn't, it would keep him uh, at the forefront of the public eye. He would not lose contact with constituents and it being a basically do nothing job provides him an opportunity that if uh, Mitch McConnell decides not to run in 2026 when he's up, then it provides a good opportunity for Quarles to run for that position while still being currently held in office. Um, however, Quarles could equally find himself doing something like heading up a college or university uh, or something else that would still bring him, I think, into the public eye, but not quite as much as lieutenant governor. So out of everybody, I'd say Quarles might be the most likely uh, pick for Cameron. I'm sure they definitely had conversations. I just don't know if Quarles will take it. Let's move on to Mike Harmon. Mike Harmon, uh, current auditor, has done a pretty good job there. Eight years, like Quarles, he has a history in the legislature, so he helps shore up that connection. Bringing in money, he does not do. If you're looking for a surrogate, however, not a better man could you pick than Mike Harmon. He is completely non-offensive. He's extremely nice individual. Not many people have something bad to say about him. He did a pretty good job as auditor. Not many people have too much bad to say about him as auditor, which is hard considering an auditor's job is to call out everything you do wrong. And he didn't shy away from calling those issues out. Also as well, I could say knowing Harmon pretty well. And, and full disclosure, I know Quarles, Harmon, Keck, and Kraft pretty darn well um, from being on the campaign trail running for treasurer myself during the primary while they were also themselves moving around. I also know Cameron pretty well from that. And if I was to pick a lieutenant governor based upon who I want by my side, uh, governing, helping me out, and that was all I was concerned about, who's not going to stab me in the back, not trying to shore up support, not trying to accomplish anything, but have somebody that I feel like will truly be my partner in this, I would pick Mike Harmon. Um, I do not think he has an anim. He doesn't have a whole lot of animosity. I think he's just happy to be there. He's happy to serve. Um, and I think for that reason, he would make a pretty good choice. Would Mike Harmon take it? Um, you know, I definitely think if Mike Harmon was offered it, I think he would take it. Um, there's not, once again, it keeps you in that public eye. I mean, uh, Mike Harmon's been auditor for eight years and he was in the legislature before that. He's literally been a politician for decades. If he leaves being an elected person, and I, and I'm not saying this to say necessarily negative, but he is a career politician. Um, he's a good guy. I just, he is a career politician though. And because of that, I don't know if, if he really, um, wants to leave government as that's what he's been a part of. I could always run for something else and like judge executive into his future um, or something like that. We've seen that happen before and he can continue to serve in that way. Um, but I'm sure, you know, most of these people would have no problem finding jobs into the future. Um, but I think for Mike Harmon, he would certainly take it if it was offered to him. 
I don't think Mike Harmon also is too much of a political, um, he ran for governor. He certainly wanted to be governor, but I, I just, I just don't think he's too much of a quote unquote political climber. I think that if Mike Harmon for eight years, eight more years is that Lieutenant governor and that's all he ever does. He'd be perfectly happy, which if you're trying to find a Lieutenant governor, that's not going to stab you in the back. That's kind of what you want to look for, right? Alan Keck. Alan Keck is definitely a more moderate person. So if, if you're Daniel Cameron and you feel that your uh, far right wing is pretty well shored up and you don't need to worry about the quote unquote liberty or populist vote, especially with that Trump endorsement, if you feel pretty solid um, in that, then you might pick somebody like Alan Keck, who is definitely more attractive uh, to the centrist people. Maybe the people you're trying to attract over, you feel like you're actually fighting over when it comes to Bashir. Don't be careful of, though, because remember, uh, Bevan driving away his right side is what a lot of people look at is a possibility to what lost him the election. Of course, though, when you lose by only 5,000 votes, you could find a whole lot of places where you lost 5,000 votes. You can blame the teachers. You can blame talking about tolls in Northern Kentucky. So Alan Keck could definitely help shore up a more centrist area. Does he bring in money? Uh, I, I don't necessarily think a whole lot more than um, what Cameron will already bring in. Um, because quite frankly, Cameron, um, Alan Keck didn't raise a whole, whole lot. He raised a fair amount, a good amount. Don't get me wrong. Not a whole, whole lot. Um, not enough that I think it'd be life-changing to that governor's race. Um, would Alan Keck take the job? I mean, he's only mayor. I don't, I believe Somerset has term limits on their mayor. Um, he's already been mayor for uh, one term and going, and he's now serving in a second term. So he could certainly be looking for what am I going to do next? And if Alan Keck, as I would think he does, has his eye on how Rogers' seat, because remember how Rogers is now the, longest serving congressman and he's getting up there in age and one way or another that man will not be in that seat anymore within the next 10 years i would say and so if your eyes are on that seat which maybe is what alan keck's eyes are really on i mean why else would you run for governor you you do have to ask the question do you think you're gonna win probably not um i think very early on he knew it was a very long and far shot but he ran a hard race and by that i mean i saw him all the time on the campaign trail Therefore, I would say that he was running that race for another reason. He was trying to bring up his name ID uh, within the state. And that must mean you either A, plan to run for something statewide in the future, or B, are looking uh, to run for that Congress position when Hal Rogers has passed. Why would Cameron pick him? Once again, I said that he's very centrist. Um, he can help shore up that base. Um, would Alan Keck stab him in the back? Probably not. Alan Keck seems like a pretty nice guy, but he is politically uh, uh, very forward. But I do think Alan Keck would hurt Daniel Cameron with his far right. Let's call a spade a spade. There's a reason why Keck didn't do too great in the governor's race. One was he came out um, when he was asked plainly plenty of times about whether he was for or against abortion, he would say plainly, I am uh, um, for I, or I am uh, not against banning abortion uh, completely. Or they would ask, um, do you believe in abortion other than in case of life of the mother? And he would say, uh, no, I believe in abortion outside of cases outside of that. While every other candidate would say yes. And on top of that, too, a lot of his policies were uh, policies that, you would say are a little bit farther left, a little more socialist, 
uh, an aspect. Um, part of that I think is due to, um, I, I, I told him this to his face. I said, Alan, I think you're taking mayor ideas. You're, you're, you, what you will do in a town is not what you want to do in a state. And I think you're some of those mayor ideas and I think you're transferring it to a state. Now, of course his uh, fight back into uh, voices defense back to me when I asked him that as best I can is that he would say, well, you know, we're already doing all these things. We're already involved in all these things. And, my solutions at least are a solution uh, to the problems. The government's already involved. What do you want me to do? Um, I think that's a very realist approach. But of course, that was not very uh, uh, appetizing to individuals. Even people like myself um, was not very attractive to that because it looks like somebody who believes government is there to solve our problems, which to conservatives, that especially ones that are coming through lockdowns, that isn't super attractive to us. Um, would he take the job? I think he would. I think if Cameron offered it to him, I think he'd take it. I don't know. I don't think it's very likely Cameron would take it. Um, but it is possible that he may. Or, or a possible that Cameron would offer it to him. I don't think Cameron would. Um, but he may. I, I don't know too much what Allen gives him other than um, it, it can help him get more center votes. Um, coming up, Kelly Craft. Um, would you take it? Would she be a good pick? Uh, and we'll go into a few other options as well, other than Kelly Craft, kind of in that same line of of not current office holders. Um, and then we'll cover the legislators after that. Stick with us. All right. So Kelly Craft, would she be a good pick? And Kelly Craft does provide something very clear and obvious. Money. Lieutenant governors, like governors, are able to dump uh, as much to the campaign, they're able to give themselves unlimited amount of loans to the campaign. So Kelly Craft turns that campaign into a point where it could pretty much be a bottomless spending opportunity, or at least bring in another 10 to 15 million. Pretty significant amount, especially for a lieutenant governor pick. Um, as far as uh, would um, she take the job or would Cameron offer it? I think that really comes down to the animosity regarding the attacks. Both Cameron and her attacked each other. Um, some would say it was below the belt on certain attacks. Some would say it wasn't. Um, depends on who you are and what your opinion is. She did come in third place. It does help shore up maybe some of that um, Republican base, certainly. It can help kind of attract that in if you think um, you need to attract maybe more the moderate people. Uh, I think as well, Kelly Craft would uh, accomplish a similar thing to Alan Keck, help bring in those moderate people. Um, would she take the job? I, I, I don't really think, I don't know if she would. I mean, part of it is, is, is your lieutenant governor, the attraction of having, like I said, the salary and the staff, that's not there for Kelly Craft. I mean, she's got money, she's got staff, she's got that thing. If she wants uh, people working on her political future, quote unquote, she has that now. She doesn't need the taxpayers funding that for her, like several of our other conversational picks uh, would be attracted to. Um, but at the same time, having the title would maybe help bring her some, I don't know, legitimacy or give her a platform to talk from. However, being a uh, uh, the wife of one of the richest men in Kentucky, if not the richest man in Kentucky, and a former governor candidate, as well as a former ambassador, and, and probably uh, somebody who will end up, if Trump wins, getting some sort of appointment within the Trump administration, I'd imagine, um, she most likely doesn't need that title either. So would Kelly take it? 
If Cameron even offered it, would Kelly take it? I don't think so. I don't think she would. I'd put that as a pretty unlikely uh, uh, scenario. Let's talk about Bill Durf. Now, why would you bring on Bill Durf? Well, he also brings in money. Bill Durf himself is pretty wealthy. He doesn't just own a hardware store. Uh, I believe he also is in investments and, and markets and things like that. Um, so he's pretty wealthy himself. He can definitely bring in some money. I think he'd bring in several million that Cameron at least wouldn't have, which once again, if you can bring in 10 million as a lieutenant governor pick, that is a fair amount for a lieutenant governor pick. Additionally, as well, Bill Durf, um, he's a pretty non-offensive guy. Once again, he's a more moderate person. It can help you because when you look at Louisville, when you look at Lexington, you may be saying, look, we need to stem the bleed there. We're not going to think we're going to win Fayette County. We don't think we're going to win Jefferson County. But we do wonder, um, can we, are we able to uh, stem that quote unquote bleeding. Are we able to, um, um, bring in as many votes as we can in that area with a pick and Bill Durf might be an option in order to do that. Now they are both from Louisville though. Um, but it could help with helping the more moderates in Louisville, because remember one of Cameron's downsides is the Breonna Taylor thing and the more moderates in Louisville, like it or not, could be looking at that as quite an issue. So bringing Bill Durf on could help win over maybe some people waffling there in the center. So he brings in money and brings in that. He's a pretty good surrogate. Um, he's a pretty good speaker. He's clear and he's concise. Uh, and like I said, he generally is not offensive. He's got some experience, of course, on the campaign trail. Um, he doesn't shore up, of course. He doesn't create that legislative connection. Uh, as well. I think also as well, he, while he's mayor, I don't know how much experience look it ends up bringing to him. But Bill Durr, former Republican mayor candidate there in Louisville, um, he he could be an option. Um, would he take it? I think he would. Um, I mean, he's he's the mayor. He's mayor of J Jefferson Town, J-Town, and he's done there. He was mayor. I believe he's done now. Um, terms up. And so now he's, I believe his term's up. Um, and so he's free. He's not politically in there. He clearly wants to have a political future. You got nothing else. You might as well take Lieutenant governor job, provide you that platform. Um, but it, it, and, and if your eyes aren't on something statewide or maybe it is in the future, um, you do have to worry once again about Daniel Cameron's problems becoming your problems. Should he make any, uh, in his time as governor, should he win? John Schneider, Pop John, he brings a similar thing that Kelly Kraft does is money. Um, he could help shore up a far right base if you think you're having an issue there. Um, quote unquote far right. I say that, but people call me far right. I, what is far right anymore? But he could help shore up a right base um, as he's perceived as somebody who's uh, been attacked. He's been a little more outspoken on his conservative views recently. So he could certainly bring in that opportunity. Um, would he stab you in the back? Eh. Probably not. Um, is he looking at a fi political future? I mean, I've heard he is. Obviously, there are rumors of him running for governor in the first place. Um, and so if he's got a political eye on it, lieutenant governor may be a good first step for him. And also, too, as I'm talking about all these people, remember as well, you got that 2026 McConnell seat that they could all be considering. And that certainly could be uh, an option for some of these people that they're looking at or, or thinking of as they're thinking about their political future. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about the legislators, the currently elected people that 
uh, I've heard kicked around. I'm not saying any of these will even end up being it, but these people have kicked around the upsides, the downsides of both these people right here after this break. All right. So possible legislators to pick from. Um, so first, one name I've heard is somebody like David Mead. He's Speaker Pro Tem. That means basically he's second in line to the Speaker uh, as far as that goes. Um, you know, he does have current power, of course, that comes with voting, being part of leadership in the House. But at the same time, does he wield that power to do very much? I mean, generally speaking, if you're Speaker Pro Tem, it's because uh, you do what you're told. Um, generally speaking, that means you're not going to be necessarily as outspoken on issues or you work behind the scenes. That could be somebody you're looking for when it comes to uh, a Lieutenant Governor pick. Obviously, this would help sure up your uh, legislative relations um, as far as it, it goes if you're if you're talking about trying to develop that connection with the uh, um, legislative body. Um, at the same time, I don't think David Mead will drive away any kind of base at all. Um, I don't know if he would lose you any votes on the right side of things. I don't know if he'd necessarily gain you votes on uh, the the left or right side of things, but he at least. Um, is somebody that I think is non-offensive to both sides, generally speaking. Um, does he have any kind of political uh, climbing in him? Of course he does. He's Speaker Pro Tem. You don't get into leadership if you're not trying to politically climb. But at the same time, if you, quote unquote, know your place, um, then he could be a pretty good lieutenant governor pick and provide that connection that you're looking for into the legislators. Now as well, we're going to move into four women. One of the things uh, that I've heard talked about when it comes to Cameron is he needs to pick a woman to help shore up that woman's support. Um, obviously, his wife helps too as well, but a place where Republicans will lack on, especially as the uh, abortion, as you get closer and you've got these abortion rights groups and Black Lives Matter groups, and, and you see women being more so swayed by those arguments when you look at the voter blocks, just the facts. Um, and you see that happening. You may say, well, look, I'm going to bring on a wo woman lieutenant governor. I mean, there's a reason why Bashir brought on his lieutenant governor. It wasn't for money. Uh, it was because they were an okay. She was an okay surrogate, a woman and a teacher. And she hit all those things uh, for him perfectly. And so if you're Cameron, you may be trying to bring that up. So that way you can say, look, for you uh, lefties that want to attack us and everything else, we have the more diverse ticket. We have a minority and a woman, um, and and it can be a good attack there to kind of do that. Obviously, we talked about Kelly Craft, but that's been the only woman so far. So these next four are actually uh, uh, women that he could be uh, looking at. And the first one on the list would be Allison Ball. Obviously, she's the current treasurer. She's running for auditor. Will most likely win. That is one reason why Allison Ball wouldn't take the job is because she will be um, auditor. She will have, quote unquote, her staff. She will have um, all those things with her that lieutenant governors could attract a other person who's elected, but a, a legislator like David Mead or, well, David Mead has a little bit of a staff, obviously, but um, that he has more access to his leadership. But Dave Mead or the other people I'm going to talk about that are in the part-time legislative category where you do get this staff and that aspect of things. Um, but she already has that soapbox too as well. Allison Ball does uh, is, is one of the highest vote getters, I think believe was the highest vote getter four years ago in the general. The one thing is, is does that 
really, how much does that really affect going into it? Um, is Cameron, uh, well, you know, he's got, I don't like Cameron, but I like Allison. So I'm going to vote for Cameron and Allison. How many people really are like that? I don't, I don't think it's really a whole lot. I think Allison's pretty quote unquote, non-offensive to the moderates. As far as that goes, that's why they'll vote for her. It's also a woman. And I think that attracts in the vote too, as well from some of the left, just being honest. Um, but also too, I, I, I think though, Cameron has to look at and say, am I short up with my right side base at the end of the day? Um, you know, when you look at how that quote unquote primary went with Allison, um, she, she won by a large margin. Don't get me wrong. Um, but there's still a percentage of people that voted for, uh, her primary opponent, Derek Petty's, um, who I think he only had like 10 grand or 15 grand and, and was able to pull in, um, you know, a, a percentage of the vote, probably more than he should have pulled in. Um, and a large part of that is due to the fact that recently some of Allison Ball's issues uh, regarding her left, uh, if she's a little too far left, have come to light regarding uh, hiring things like Black Lives Matter activists into her administration, things like uh, ignoring open records requests that, in fact, Daniel Cameron himself has ruled against her a few times on that issue. Um and, and that could be an issue with the farther right side of her base. And, and the reason why I have to bring up that, that kind of right side of the base is because Cameron has made some decisions that has pushed away some sects of, of Republicans that did get him to where he is. Things like the quote unquote Liberty Republicans, um, because you have and understand Liberty and populist aren't exactly the same thing, but some of the Northern Kentucky Liberty Republicans, uh, have been pushed away because of, um, his initial speaking at the freedom fest there of, of, um, Eric Dieters and who, and, and the reason why that pushed them in ways because Eric Dieters is uh, going to be most likely almost 99% positive running against Thomas Massey for Congress. And so obviously there, that Northern Kentucky sect of Republicans, uh, one of the sect that really costs um, Bevin, his position caused him to lose Bashir. You could point to um, does not um, particularly like the fact that uh, this character, this guy, not character, but guy, Eric Dieters, who you, most of you know who he is, is um, running, finished, I believe, fourth for governor, um, is going to be running against Thomas Massey. And Daniel Cameron is going to speak at his announcement event, his Freedom Festival that he's having. Um, now he has since backed out of it, but obviously that caused some issues. The other thing that caused issues, and I talked about this on the podcast, he hired McConnell's chief of staff, Terry Carmack, to be a important person on the campaign and on the campaign trail. Um, is that somebody who's going to be uh, a good choice? Um, is, is that putting somebody on there with such deep ties to McConnell when you yourself come under fire for being tied to McConnell has scared away some of the farther right that absolutely hate I keep saying farther right. I don't even call them necessarily farther right. The the Republicans that don't say just because you have an R next to your name means I'm going to vote for you, that could have scared them off or they're not voting for him or voting for somebody else. And therefore, um, bringing on somebody that helps, it, it depends on how you're looking at it. If you believe that that number is large, you might bring on somebody to shore that up. If you believe that number is not large, um, and you don't risk losing their support, um, then you bring on somebody who can definitely attract in more moderates. And so you might look at Allison and say she can bring in more moderates, 
but scare away some of the right. Problem is, is when 5,000 votes makes a difference, if you think it's going to be that close, that can be a real issue. Um, who else we got here? So talk about Kim Mosier. Um, Kim Mosier, I believe, is actually on the steering committee of the Cameron campaign. Kim Mosier has been talked about a lot. She fills that woman role. Um, oh, speaking of Allison Ball, would she take the job? I, I don't know. I mean, she's got that platform. She's obviously wants to run for Hal Rogers seat too, as well, uh, in the future there. Um, so being Lieutenant governor could give her, uh, some more notoriety if that's all she's looking for over auditor, or she could look at it as a lateral move. She could be worried about Cameron's issues becoming her issues, which perils her, uh, future. I don't think Allison would necessarily take it, but I could be mistaken. Kim Mosier, current state house rep. Um, she definitely has her eyes on running for that uh, uh, Thomas Massey's Northern Kentucky congressional seat. Uh, not a doubt about it. As soon as he's out of there and that's an open seat, I'm sure you're going to see a showdown between a lot of people and Kim Mosier will be one of them. And moving into that lieutenant governor role could help her out. But once again, she brings in uh, a certain um, concern for the Cameron campaign about what is she like with the right side of, of the party. Quite frankly, out of the Northern Kentucky reps, she's probably the Republican that's most disliked by other fellow Republicans. I'm not even saying it's enough to remove her from office. I'm sure she'll probably have a primary opponent because um, that Northern Kentucky group has gotten good at removing incumbents, especially powerful ones. Um, and so you could see her facing an opponent and especially too after, and she's got a lot of things against her. Let me read you something. Um, this was a statement she made on the House floor about House Bill 470. And that was a House bill to ban um, transitioning of children, giving them medication. So she said, I think this goes too far. I think it's discriminatory. I think it eliminates parents' rights or concerns about parents' rights and many other pieces of legislation that we're debating here during the session. Yet this takes parents' rights away. So she is saying in this that she believes it is a parent's right to give hormone blockers and um, you know, puberty, puberty blockers and hormone therapy to kids. It's a parent's right. We're imposing this law, children, families, and healthcare workforce. And we haven't even funded things like mental health first aid. I guess we're going to have to start doing that. So I'm a bit confused about what we're doing. I just want to be sure that we're being thoughtful and uh, about this particular legislation. Again, I appreciate your work. I'd like to say to the rest of the world who's watching Kentucky, we are not complete Neanderthals. We are generally very thoughtful people, and I really think that you are genuine in your efforts to protect children, and we all want to do that. We just need to be careful not to go too far. And then she voted no on that bill. So she said that she believed it was a parent's right to give this medication, and that if uh, you don't, you are a complete Neanderthal. That is what she said uh, in a roundabout way. That certainly pushes away <laughs> a good chunk of the right. And bringing in somebody like that onto your four-year lieutenant governor pick could certainly push away uh, quite a lot of your right side uh, of people. There's a lot of people out there who'll say, you know what, maybe I just won't vote. Um, there's a lot of people out there who already didn't vote because they didn't like either governor candidate. And Cameron can't risk that same decision. Could he pick Kim Mosier? Like I said, I've heard the name a lot. She's on that steering committee. Um, obviously 
donors to the campaign, big donors to the campaign. Would she take it in a heartbeat? I think she would. It would lift her profile, gives her that full-time uh, uh, legislative uh, governing status, helps her as she's uh, looking at moving into that congressional seat, gives her taxpayer-funded campaign staff. I've talked about this on other campaign on other uh, podcasts, that people who currently hold elected office that have staff end up with taxpayer-funded campaign staff. Um, they volunteer, but, you know, they're, camp, they're taxpayer funded. Um, but because who's paying their salary and then who's in charge of them? Well, the person that they're working for is in charge of them that they're volunteering for. And they're in charge of setting their work schedule and firing them while the taxpayer's paying them. It's taxpayer funded campaign staff. But anyways, and that could, she would look at that to help her in that congressional race. And it would give her that launching point to do so. Um, I think though that there's this recent flare up between Massey and, and, and Massey probably really doesn't like Kim Mosier. I, if I had to guess, um, not saying I know that personally, just saying if I had to guess, he doesn't personally like her. And, um, you know, Cameron already risked coming on the wrong side of Massey and losing that Northern Kentucky support with that Dieters thing that I talked about earlier. So he could be looking at not doing that with Kim Mosier because, well, frankly, he's concerned about the same exact um, thing. And then you go into Julie Rocky Adams. You, you literally have the same concerns. Now, Julie Rocky Adams does help shore in an area. Kim Mosher would help you shore up maybe Northern Kentucky, but I actually think it wouldn't, um, as much. You could look at her as more as a centrist. Maybe she attracts in some of the more moderates, but does she? I don't know. Um, because of course, no matter who, and this is one of the mistakes, no matter who the, that he picks, no matter who you try to sell as a moderate, with an R next to their name, the media, and of course the the Bashir campaign is going to sit there and call not a moderate. So Julie Rocky Adams, state senator out of Louisville, in leadership in the Senate, um, could help shore up that Louisville vote. Helps with that woman thing, obviously. Um, can help attract in a centrist vote, um, but definitely can also push away that far right vote. Exact same concerns you'd have with Kim Mosier, you have with Julie Rocky Adams, and finally Savannah Maddox. Oh, would Julie take the job? Probably. I think she would. It's political climbing. Um, you know, you're not really giving up too much power because you go with the, see if you're going with the flow, being Lieutenant governor doesn't really, you're not giving up any power. Um, it's only if you're trying to resist the flow that you could be giving up power, which brings you to Savannah Maddox. See, um, one would, would core, would Cameron ever offer Lieutenant governor Savannah Maddox? I, I don't know does fulfill that that woman issue clearly, does help with Northern Kentucky. She's a popular legislator in Northern Kentucky. Uh, helps shore up maybe some of your Liberty crowd, obviously. She herself was looking at running for governor, and Cameron was pretty successful in picking up her support uh, during the primary, which helped lead him to a victory. If he feels he's comfortable with her support and her base that she would bring, because she does bring a base, he feels that I, I'm accomplished. I don't need to worry about that. They're showing up and voting for me. I don't think I need to worry about it. There's no real upside to, to picking Savannah. There's downside for it. Obviously, you have to worry about um, her being uh, obviously shown as a far right crazy person by the left and talking about how far right Cameron is by doing that. And would she take it? I mean, she loses her ability to vote on the floor and propose bills. She's not somebody that generally goes with the flow. So you lose your voice in that way. Um, on top of that too, as well, once again, Cameron's issues become your issues. And it's Savannah Max, the kind of person 
that can sit there and defend the governor doing something that she actually personally disagrees with. I don't think she has that kind of character. I don't think she can defend something that she actually disagrees with. So it's Savannah Maddox, get the nod or take it. I don't think so. I think you're probably looking at Quarles or Harmon uh, being one of the picks um, and those you'd generally be okay with. You definitely want to throw a fit with if you're a Republican. Or you could see him choosing somebody like Kim Mosier or Julie Rocky Adams. And I think if you're a Republican, he picks them. Um, you might have some questions about who's steering the ship because those are definitely more establishment picks. Those are definitely not. Uh, those are definitely more those kinds of far left uh, Republicans, people with R's next to their name that you typically see, people who definitely break from the normal conservative current mainstream viewpoints and break in the wrong direction to the left. Well, thank you all for tuning in. That's what I got time for today. Uh, please feel free to tune in tomorrow. We'll be talking about a very interesting company, uh, App Harvest, and what they're dealing with. And then later this week, I'm sure I will be covering um, as well an interesting few articles. And so it's definitely worth tuning into actually to cover some of what I talked about about this um, very liberal people putting ours next to their name and what's causing that. We will talk about that later this week. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, like, comment, share, subscribe. Thank you for listening to the Andrew Cooper Writer Podcast.